0: from the School of Broadcast and Cinematic Arts at Central Michigan University. Welcome to Depth of Field, a podcast highlighting the careers, experiences, and accomplishments of our Broadcast and Cinematic Arts graduates. I'm your host, Patty Williamson. Join me as I chat with media pros who reflect on their time at CMU, their lives and careers after graduation. Along the way, they'll share advice they have for anyone looking to work in a wide variety of media fields. And that's why we call it Depth of Field. Joining me today is Chris Bola, a graduate of our School of Broadcast and Cinematic Arts, and currently he's the manager of media services at Mott Community College. Chris, it's so nice to talk to you.
1: It's great to talk to you too, Patty.
0: Now, I should mention, we actually did our undergrad together, at least part of it. We overlapped with one another, so we go back a ways. So I know you as the host of The Furnace, which was... (laughs) The metal show on the college radio station at the time.
1: Fond memories there.
0: What brought you to CMU? Were you interested in radio or did you just have a general idea of wanting to work in media?
1: Actually, when I was in high school, uh, at the end of my freshman year, cable TV came to our little town of Dearborn Heights, Michigan, and my, uh, I was the assistant in the auditorium at our school, and uh, my instructor said, hey, you need to get involved with this, because we're going to be involved with cable. And I did some internship things with, uh, at the time, Continental Cable Vision, and really grew to love TV, and I said, this is what I want to do. And it just so happened that uh, one of the techs at Continental, um, he went to Ferris State. And one of his instructors that he just raved about said, hey, he's moving over to Central, you should go there. So I looked into it and I went and took a visit at CMU, loved the campus, loved everything about it. I applied like an idiot, applied to one school. I applied to Central Michigan University and I got in. And I remember my parents dumped me off on a in August of 86. I didn't know a soul, knew no other people uh, that were going there. And that is how I, you know, got into it. And it's one of the four greatest years of my life. I enjoyed every minute of it.
0: And did you want to be a BCA major right from the start then? Because of your interest in the background in cable?
1: Yeah, I did. It it was really funny. Um, our, Our first semester there, I lived in Sacks Hall. And of the 100 or so people that lived on that floor, it seemed like there were about 75 people that wanted to be BCA majors. At the end of the first year, that was down to about 40 by the end of the second year, it was about down to ten, and of that original hundred, there were only two of us that graduated with BCA majors, and I'm the only one working in the in the industry.
0: So, what were you involved in back when you were at Central? Like, which of the co-curriculars did you do a little work for?
1: Well, as you mentioned, I I worked at uh, you know at 91 at that time, 91 Rock FM. And, uh, I did the, I did the metal show called the furnace there. And I, and that was, uh, that was fun because it was a specialty show and really kind of no format. We did whatever we wanted to do, but I did, uh, I worked at new central from the very beginning, worked on that for four years. I worked a lot of, uh, individual shows that would come up, uh, You know, uh, there was an instructor that had the CMU International Faculty Profile Show. I worked on that. And there were just a bunch of little ones here that we did a talk show, a variety show, a comedy show, um, just a lot of different things. But New Central was the big one that I really worked quite a bit on pretty much regularly for four years.
0: So when you were in school, what was your goal? What was the big picture of what you wanted to do when you graduated? Or did you know?
1: I wasn't really sure. I knew I wanted to work with video, but I wasn't sure. Did I want to go into news or did I want to go into corporate video or um, have my own company? I I wasn't really sure. And I was lucky enough to intern at Dow Chemical through CMU, uh, an instructor put my name in the hat for for that internship. I was lucky enough to get it. And it was a fantastic experience. And at that point, I said, I want to do corporate video one because they actually have some money and they have good equipment they pay pretty well and uh you know and it it was a lot of fun the downside of corporate video was that at the first time they start losing money as a corporation you're the first department they cut so um it has its bad sides as well so i wound up going into news after i graduated i did a a stint at a um, automotive manufacturing facility a video documenting uh tests on car seats I can't tell you how much fun that was. <laughs> and then I wound up at uh, WLNS uh, TV six in, in Lansing for uh, almost three years. You mentioned
0: that when you first came to CMU, you didn't know many people who actually were from your high school who came to central. How difficult was it to make friends once you were here?
1: It's really funny because I, I, I talk about that. I got dumped in a room. They were um, there were four other guys in that room. So we had two rooms and a sitting room and a, and a bathroom there, so you had kind of a suite. The first guy I met was 33 years old, finishing his terms. So I'm like, okay, well, we're all over the map. I met a lot of people those first couple of days on my floor, one of them I'm still extremely close to, we talk all the time. Um, so we've been friends for close to 35 years now. So it's amazing how close you can get with certain people. Uh, just not knowing anybody and uh, there's people I've met because I went to see me like I'm friends with a friend of my I don't talk to one of my roommates anymore we just drifted apart but I'm one of the his his friends best friends I met him through him who didn't even go to Central. he, he lived in St. John's and I just kind of got to know him and we're still friends to this day so it's uh, it was a really good experience to go out and meet people who were from way different backgrounds than I were who didn't look like me, talk like me. Um, and I really cherished all of the diversity that we had at CMU.
0: So when you graduated and you started working in TV news in Lansing, what was that experience
1: like? It was really interesting. The, the, the way I got in there was I was looking for another job and, and I, I did not like where I was. And it was a, a buddy of mine who'd gotten me this job at the automotive facility. You know, it's kind of a tied you over till you get a real job in your industry type of thing brian williams who's another graduate that i'm that you know from our time another crossover he was already working at channel six in lansing and he mentioned to me hey we've got a, fo- a photographer position coming open Throw your resume in." so i did and i met up there with the news director and went through it and uh, it was interesting i was supposed to um shadow the chief photographer for a week after i got the job uh after the first day they gave me a camera to a car and a reporter and said, you're on your own. <laughs> so I didn't know where I was driving in Lansing. I, you know, a lot of one-way streets and things like that, trying to figure all that out. It was a challenge, but I made some great relationships there. People I'm still close with who still work at the station. Others have gone on to uh, do some great things in Detroit and some national media people. So it's really kind of neat that you can still stay connected to those people through social media these days and say, oh, I work with this guy and he's on ABC Nightly News. You know, it's 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 fun to do that. And they're pretty much the same people they were when we were working at six. So it's just a, a different place to be.
0: What are some of the pros and cons of working in TV news, especially as a photographer?
1: Uh, well, number one is the pay. <laughs> it was terrible. I, mean, I made a whopping $14,000 a year. With no raises for two years and then they gave me a raise to 16 grand my last year there you know even by those standards back in the uh, early 90s that was a pauper's wage it's it's hard to stay but we just loved it i mean we were young we were single we you know we just kind of lived and breathed every our whole lives revolved around working at the station so if we weren't there we were out playing softball together or we were going to the bar together or doing all kinds of different things so it was it was a lot like college honestly but when York shift started it became all business because you know you're out there you're trying to get the good stories you're out there trying to beat the competition you're looking for new ways to shoot different angles because after you're there a while you go wow i gotta do the uh, flower story again for like the may flowers thing and you gotta you do the same stories over and over so you try and get a little more creative to say okay i can't do the same story again i gotta I got to be a little more creative. So it pushes you.
0: So, where did you go from there? What was the next step on your career trajectory?
1: So, I left um, after about three years, I left Channel 6 and I went to Mott College. And you would say, oh, well, he's been there ever since. That's not quite true. <laughs> I worked there as a um, video production technician for seven years. And right about the year 2000, I found a city of Dearborn was hiring for a uh, manager of their government access TV station. So I threw my hat in the ring and uh, I wound up getting the position and I worked for uh, the mayor of the city of Dearborn. He had gone to Spex Howard. He was also head of the mayor's council of government access stations. So he really fancied himself a video guy and he was very into it. So he was always um, you know, very involved, which helped and hurt. Um, because it got us funding, but it also, he wanted it run a certain way, so, which was really interesting. I did that for about a year and a half, and I kind of really missed being at Mott, and so I'd gotten word that my boss, who I'd worked for at Mott, previously had moved over to faculty, and a manager position was open, so I applied and wound up coming back to Mott uh, in the end of 2001, so, um, and I've been in this role ever since.
0: What exactly is a typical day or maybe a typical week like for you in your position at Mott?
1: Well, it's certainly different since the pandemic has occurred because I used to meet with my boss once a week. Now we meet every day. Uh, I used to meet with my team once a week. Now we meet every day. So, but, you know, we, we have a lot of meetings or you spend a lot of time on Zoom now. And it's funny, I've said this to my boss in meetings is that, you know, I can look at my calendar for the week. And it's fairly empty. And by the time I get to the end of the week, I look back and it's completely filled. A lot of support for classrooms, a lot of support for faculty. Um, We've done a ton of videos since this uh, pandemic has started. Ever since this uh, pandemic has started, we've bought one, two, I think we're up to five new TriCasters now. Each one of my guys has one at their house so we can run stuff remotely when we're there. So we haven't stopped doing anything since the pandemic hit. We just basically disassembled our studios, took stuff home, and kept right on rolling.
0: I think people don't necessarily realize how much universities, colleges, any educational institutions, how reliant they are on media that's needed behind the scenes to do teaching these days. But certainly since the pandemic, it really changed everything. So I'd imagine that you suddenly had two, three, 10 times as much work on your plate as soon as things started to change.
1: Absolutely. It was amazing what we had to go through, just, yeah, really changed. Everything that we did because we had to find a way to stay connected, um, not just physically, but um, mentally as well. So we started a video series called uh, Bear Paws. Our, our mascot is a, is a bear, so we called it Bear Paws, which just was an informational thing that we did once a week, uh, run by the HR department, but technically run by ours. Um, and they would give out different talks. We would have different guests and basically talk about what the, what was going on with the college, where we're at, how's funding, how's enrollment. Just keeping people in the loop. Every month we had an all-employee meeting, which we'd all meet in one of our event spaces. Well, we do that all virtually now. Um, we all we use um, YouTube Live to do that. So we have all of our participants in Zoom. They come in to the meeting, who are have speaking roles. Everyone watches on YouTube Live at home, just like you would a TV channel, obviously. So, not only did we have to keep the college connected um, as far as Uh, employees and things, we had to find a way to keep our students engaged because when we finally started coming back on campus and students were still contracting COVID, they couldn't miss classes, especially in like our physical therapy and occupational therapy programs or our nursing programs because um, they have uh, some very stringent requirements about attendance. So we came up with a way to put cameras in the classrooms. We have about 250 smart classrooms on our campus and we were able to install about 65 in the fall of 2020 and uh, get those up and running. So the instructor could start a Zoom in their classroom and the students could watch uh, while the instructor taught the rest of the class, but it also gave them the ability to record it as well. So they would also, we were using uh, Blackboard as our um, IMS at the time, and they could post it to their Blackboard shell. And so students could then watch things remotely. So we gave them, you know, the ability to not only tune in remotely, but also to be able to record things, uh, poor man's lecture capture, I call it. And uh, we're also in the process now with the latest round of her funding is to outfit the rest of those 250 rooms with cameras. So we are in the middle of a huge upgrade because of HERF and, and, and I know a lot of other schools are as well because they want to take advantage of all this government funding while it's available.
0: And I think that's going to probably change the way we teach and educate students in the future, don't you?
1: Absolutely. I don't see it ever going back to normal. Even if we don't do a lot of remote teaching, I think you're going to see them use it a lot for lecture capture. I think you're going to see instructors pre-record some of their lectures uh, for different things. I don't see it going back
0: Yeah, I agree that all the changes that have come about due to COVID and some of the new equipment, we've had sort of the same thing at CMU. We've had a lot of new video streaming services. All of our classrooms now have cameras and recording equipment. So I know even in our department, it's changed the way that we offer our master's program. Starting in the fall, we're actually offering our master's program in media management as what we call a high flex format, which I'm guessing you might have it mod as well, where the faculty are in the classroom and then students have the option, they can be in person face-to-face if that's what they prefer, or students can be learning remotely and taking classes at the same time. So I know that for us, even in BCA, it's really changing the future of our program already.
1: Yeah, that's exactly the same terminology we're using. High flex, uh, in in the same model actually. So you're right. It is it is changing. I don't ever see it going back the other way because it gives our students way more flexibility. Um, one of the big things that we talk about at MOD is meet people where they are, and I think technology is allowing us to do that in a way we never could before. So it's forced us to jump into the 21st century where I think at times we kind of lagged behind. We had some early adopters, but the problem is, is unless you're all on board, uh, it doesn't really catch fire. So I am, in a sense, and I hate to say it, the pandemic has pushed us forward in a way that has been good for us as an institution.
0: So what are your favorite things about working at Mott?
1: You know, it's really interesting. I When I, when I came to Mott the first time, I was a video production guy. That's what I wanted to do. Cameras, edit, the whole thing. In my role now, I do a lot less of that, but I really enjoy it because, and I work with a really good team. I have have three guys, full-time guys under me, and then I have several students who work for me as well. But it is really fun because when we renovate buildings, I'm on the team. And so I help design the technology that goes into all of our buildings. And, you know, not just cameras in rooms. It's the infrastructure. How can we put some video production qualities in uh, different things? We just built a new culinary arts school that opened just before the pandemic hit. There's technology in every room. So it's a lot of fun being able to do those things. I like to build things anyways. So it's really kind of a passion for me to do those things. I like working with the administration and the faculty on putting together things that forward the mission of the college. Uh, We do a lot of things out in the community. So I give talks to the community different groups about why Mott is a, uh, you know, a good partner for Genesee County and the surrounding areas, uh, how we can help. So it's, it's been a lot of fun to be able to do those things. It's definitely something I never went to school for, but it was something that was always interesting for me. So now I get to take what I was trained to do at CMU and the things that I really like to do, put them together. And I really enjoy my current role.
0: Are there things that you can apply from your undergrad to the work that you do now?
1: Oh, absolutely. When you're an undergrad school, you're definitely learning the basics and the basics really don't change. Those are the building blocks of what you do, whether you're shooting analog or whether you're shooting digital or whatever format you're shooting shot composition is still shot composition, you you know, it it doesn't matter how good your camera is, if you don't know how to frame a shot correctly. So those are all things that as the technology changes, that's great. But you still need to have a foundation of good uh, mechanics in the way you lay out your shots or even record your audio. In the creativity thing, it just, it pushes you to be more creative, but you have to use those skill sets that you learned in, 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 I know for you and I, we both did stuff in high school and, you know, mostly in, in our undergrad programs, but it gave you the basics to go farther. And if you don't have those, um, you're not going to really succeed anywhere else, in my opinion.
0: Do you feel that working at an educational institution, that it gives you a chance to interact with students and mentor them at all, or... Is your job a little less tied to students?
1: You know what's funny is I never ever saw myself working for an educational institution when I got out of school. <laughs> I, I was, I'm done with school. I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna get a job, I'm gonna make money, I'm gonna do the things I wanna do and live my life. But as I got into Mont, I was working my first time around there, I really saw what we brought to the area. And in Flint is, you know, it's an economically depressed area. And I saw how much that the community really counted on us to be that shining light. When GM left, there was nothing left but us and a few other schools. You have Flint and Baker, which is now gone, Kettering. But um, the, the fun part of it is you get to interact with so many students. I've got, I've had students that have worked for me um, in through like just work study or internship programs that we've had that have gone on to do some really great things. We had one kid who moved to Chicago, started his own video production company. is doing extremely well. We've had another young lady that worked for us She's the main news anchor out in uh, California, in one of the TV stations in California. She started out with us, and she didn't know the front end of a camera from the back end, and look at where she's gone. I mean, it's been wonderful to work with those kids and have them on our team, and they've done some really great things, and that's, that's really fun for me to see how they grow and, and what they blossom into because of the things that me and my team have taught them as they've gone through our programs.
0: I have to say, I felt the same way when I first got out of school, there was no way (laughs) I was going to go back for grad school. There was no way I was going to work at a college. And now I think I'm 23 years into my time at CMU. And I feel like I'm maybe a walking advertisement for working at a university because I find it is a, Great experience. You get to work with students, you get to mentor people, and you also are allowed to have usually some work-life balance as well, which I think is important. Have you found that in your position?
1: Absolutely, the work-life balance thing is really a critical thing because in news, I started out working Friday through Monday, uh, from one p.m. to eleven thirty p.m. or so on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, so. It wasn't great for the social life, um, you know, when you're working oddball hours, all your friends are working day shift, you're working night shift on the weekends, you know, and you're, and it was a pretty physical job. And uh, at Mott, you know, we're pretty much, you know, outside of the occasional event or commencement uh, ceremony that we support, things like that. You know, we're pretty much, I mean, our office is open 7.30 a.m., 7.30 p.m., and I have one guy that works a little bit later shift to cover those later hours, but we're in about an eight to five house. And it's really nice, but there, there are added uh, bonuses. I mean, I my oldest daughter is a student at Mott now, so I get to see her every day at school. And uh, she's got a job there as a temperature checker. So when you walk in the door at one of the buildings, she'll be there to greet you and they take your temperature before you can walk in. But, you know, um, just being able to, to spend some time uh, while she goes to school with her, has been really nice because she, as she gets older, you know, the time is not as, uh, you don't have as much time with them anymore because they're starting to live their own lives at 19, 20 years old. So um, yeah, that's, it, it's been a great place for me to work because it's given me a lot of opportunities to have that work-life balance, to still stay connected with my family and do the things I love to do.
0: What do you see as some of your proudest accomplishments over the course of your career so far?
1: Wow. Um, there are so many, um, when I think a lot of it has been the biggest one probably is when we opened our regional technology center, I had a lot to do with the design and implementation of all of the technology that went into that building. It was our first go around with some high-end tech stuff. We had always been kind of a, whatever's cheapest we're going to buy type of institution. And, um, I was able to work with some people in administration. We got a technology fee started at the college that was directly tied to supporting academics, which meant it didn't go into the general fund. It couldn't be squirreled off for somebody's pet project. It went directly to support faculty, students, and instruction. So therefore I had an influx of money every semester to build smart classrooms. Um, that's another one of the thing I'm really proud of is we when I started at, Came back to mott on my second tour as a manager we had four smart classrooms now we have over 250. Um, we're adding more all the time to get every classroom there we've we've made smart conference rooms all of them are going to be zoom capable and when we get finished with them um we've renovated oh i can't even i don't know 10 or 12 different buildings all of which are technology and, and working with the design teams have been a lot of fun just getting into the point of being able to stream all these things with all the tricasters, the technology we have now, as opposed to when I worked as a video technician there is light years ahead. And I and that's I guess maybe that's really what I can probably hang my hat on is the fact that I had always envisioned as a video when I worked there as a video tech, there was me and one other guy, and he had been there for quite some time. And I always thought, God, if I could be a manager here and have about two or three other guys work for me, we could do some really special things. Well, here we are all these years later, that's come to fruition. And we have done a lot of special things. So I guess dreams really do come true.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do you find it difficult at all to keep up with the technology? It seems to change so quickly.
1: It does. One thing I've really noticed is that, um, you know, we would go to Infocom, the big trade show out in either Florida or Vegas, flip-flops every year, but we would go there every year. And just to walk the aisles and see what's new out there because you know you can search for stuff on the internet but there's things that exist that you don't even know there exist so how do you look for them you go to trade shows and you talk to people and um not being able to do that for the last couple years has been difficult to stay up to date but um yeah i mean we're always working with different sales reps um different ways to do things my team brings me things all the time about hey have you seen this let's let's can we get this can we do that and I feel that's a really critical part of my job is to supply them with the tools they need to be successful. You know, I mean, there's ever budget concerns and you have to balance that all the time. But if I can see a way to get it done for them, it's going to make their lives easier, which is going to make everybody, including my life easier, because, you know, they um, they can only do so much with the tools that they have. And if I can make it a little easier for them, we get more production out of them. It's a bonus for everyone.
0: What advice do you have for students who might want to look for a position similar to what it is that you do. What are some of the skills they need or some of the uh, things that they need to be honing in terms of maybe interpersonal skills, all of that? What should they be working on?
1: Yeah, that's a really good thing to ask there, Patty. I I agree that first of all, I think you need to be able to talk to people. I have found that by engaging with people, I had a boss one time that used to tell me that, you know, you're just part of the good old boy network here. And I said, well, you know, sometimes I take that as a, uh, you know, a, a detriment, but I kind of spun it in my own head as a compliment because I found a way to meet people in different parts of the college that were able to help me get things done. And and when I say that, it was never for me. It was not to get a better office or a better desk or any of those things. It was also, hey, I would go to the head of facilities, hey. Can you get me some electrical put in here so I can get some smart technology for this instructor who's really struggling right now? Things like that, building those relationships are huge. I can't stress that enough, how huge that is to build those relationships so that you can get things done. Because if you just play by the bureaucracy of every institution, you're not going to get anything done. And And I really believe that. That is a huge thing. But I also think that if you're looking to be in a role like I am right now, like a management role. Don't let your production skills get rusty. And that's one thing I always do. I do a lot. I'll go over to the studio when we're doing something and I'll just run camera or I'll pull cable or I'll help set the lights or I'll run the teleprompter. Just, you know, most people would think, oh, the boss is going to come over here and he's going to want to direct. And I'm like, no, I let my people do their job. And that's another point that I want to make. You hire people to do their job, let them do their job. And then you go in there when they need a hand, say, what can I do to assist you? And so I never come in there and tell them I'm taking over. I'm like, what do you need me to do? And I think that's huge, not only building morale with your people, but keeping your toe in the water to make sure that you don't become out of touch with what's going on. You can't lead them if you don't know what's happening with your people. So um, those are just a couple of things that I think are really important to managing, you know, in a media setting in today's world.
0: I think that's great advice. Chris, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to me today. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, it's been great talking to you again, Patty. It's been a long time and we should do this more often.
0: Absolutely. That's another episode of Depth of Field, a production of the School of Broadcast and Cinematic Arts at Central Michigan University. Thanks to my engineer, Michael Pawarski, and my producer, Allison Biss. I'm Patty Williamson. Thanks for joining us.